Broadcasting from Charlotte, North Carolina on Sports Byline USA. Uniting sports fans everywhere, this is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. People want the authenticity, right? They want to know a little bit more. They don't want just the cliches. For the next hour, we will unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Uh, I'm thankful that God has delivered me and he's given me a mouthpiece to be able to, a platform as well to be able to share with different people. Bringing you high energy and thought-provoking sports talk with a purpose. When you're around somebody that has that joy and you can feel it and it's contagious. Um, every day I ask, you know, what does God have in store for me and how does he want to utilize me in this position that I hold. Now, from his mic to your ears, this is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to Unpacking It, where we unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. I'm Bryce Johnson, coming to you on Sports Byline USA. So glad to be with you. We've got a really awesome show in store. We'll be joined by the Hall of Famer, Anthony Munoz. The Cincinnati Bengals are 3-1, and one, and so we'll get his thoughts on the team this year, but we'll also hear about his journey and, and, and his faith and what's most important to him. He's also been married for 40 years, and so we'll, uh, we'll ask him about that as well. Stick around. At the end of the show, we'll do our segment, Unpack This, about dropped passes and how it relates to wisdom. And so it's been crazy in the NFL th- this year, at least recently, so many players are dropping passes. And in some instances, it's the reason teams are losing. And, and so the other night, the, the Colts had multiple players dropping passes, the Browns. I even saw top players drop passes recently. So uh, we'll discuss that at the end of the show. Uh, coming up next, though, we're going to do our segment we call I'm Convinced. And so I'll let you know a couple things I'm convinced of this week, including thoughts on LeBron James, Tom Brady, and Josh Gordon, and ESPN.com came out with the most miserable fan bases, and so I'll let you know which fan base I think should be uh, higher on that list. And so really appreciate you joining us. You can email me, Bryce, at unpackingit.com. We've got plenty more. We're just getting going right here on Unpacking It on Sports Byline USA. More sports, faith, and life coming up on Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. So glad to be with you today. We're a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life. Check out our website, unpackingit.com, and be sure to subscribe to our email devotional and our podcast. Coming up, we'll be joined by Anthony Munoz, Hall of Famer from the Cincinnati Bengals. And then at the end of the show, we'll do our segment, Unpack This. But it's that time for I'm Convinced, and we'll we'll do some NFL in a moment, but I want to start in the NBA because the NBA is back. Preseason action has already been interesting, and so we've got to start with the Lakers, and I'm convinced any team with LeBron James is a championship contender. I don't care what the roster makeup is. 
if he's still playing at the level that, that we know he is still playing at and what he's capable to do at this level, his team is still a contender. Of course, the Warriors are the favorites and the Celtics are, have an incredible roster. But I'm convinced LeBron can lead this team to the Western Conference Finals because th- there's a couple factors at play. The young players they have on this roster are, are really good and they're only going to get better with him. He makes guys better. And the key is young guys that respect him and, and are kind of in awe of him, but they're not so much in awe that they, they crumble under pressure. And because these guys are used to playing in L.A. to begin with, so Ingram and Ball, like they're not worried about that. Kuzma, that doesn't affect them. The way that some young players uh, were kind of negative, they, they couldn't handle playing with LeBron in Cleveland. Uh, Jordan Clarkson, Rodney Hood, those guys last year, there was just a disconnect with, with those guys. But, I, but I'm anticipating the young core with the Lakers being able to, to really grow and mature with LeBron as their leader. Then I'm also convinced that the, the other kind of misfit players that we, we've kind of wondered about, like why did the Lakers sign JaVale McGee and Rondo and uh, Beasley and, and Stevenson? Well, those guys, they're on one-year deals, and so they're desperate players. And those types of players throughout the, the history of the NBA usually do well when there's somebody like Michael Jordan, like, like Magic Johnson, like LeBron James. Those are the players that get the most out of kind of the fringe players that when they're in other situations, they're just not that good. Or, or, or they're not good for long uh, because they start rubbing people the wrong way. But when LeBron sets the tone for the entire locker room and for the entire team, those types of players can get in line and get in line quickly. And, and I'm convinced that's going to be the case with the Lakers. And so you may say, oh, well, what about the Rockets and the Thunder? Yeah, but th- I think the, the Rockets had their chance last year, and I just don't think the Thunder are trustworthy enough. And so I'm not saying the Lakers will have the second best regular season record. I'm just saying the, the, the same LeBron James that led Matthew Dellavedova and the Cavs to the finals can take this Lakers team to the Western Conference Finals. And who knows? Once you get there, <laughs> the season, anything can happen. But of course, the, the Warriors are, are the favorites at this point. But I can't wait to watch the Lakers this season. It's going to be a blast. All right, now on to the NFL. I'm convinced there is one quarterback who should always carry the ball in short yardage situations or around the goal line. And then I'm convinced there is a quarterback that should never do a QB sneak. So I'm convinced Cam Newton is the best short yardage player in the league, including running backs. Just think about his size, strength, speed, and power. It's unmatched. And he can always make his way into the end zone, many times even untouched. The, the hole opens up and he gets right, he gets right through. But, but I'm convinced it would never take more than three tries to get him in the end zone from, from a few yards out. And so the Panthers should always call his number in those situations. They should never give the ball to the running back if they're going to run a short yardage rushing play. That should go to Cam Newton. And again, if you try it once, uh, maybe short, he'll eventually get it, and it'll, it'll never take more than three tries. I really believe that. And so I watch the Panthers. I'm a Panthers fan, and, and I just know how good he is at that. And so you look across the league, I really don't think there's anybody better. On the other hand, Tom Brady has no business at this stage of his career risking an injury by doing a QB sneak. 
I know he's capable of catching the defense off guard, and he's had success with the play over the years, but it's just not worth it if you're the Patriots. It makes me nervous watching him awkwardly fight for a couple of yards and put his body on the line. Sure, he takes good care of his body, but he's not going to play forever, and these types of plays are unnecessary. Sure, he scored a touchdown on Thursday night against the Colts, and you know he reached his arms out and tried to protect himself and ended up being fine. I just don't know why. Why do that? Let, let other running backs you know, get banged up and, and put themselves out there. Not Tom Brady. Seriously, what are you thinking? I, I, even if it works, please stop. It makes me nervous. All right, number three. So ESPN.com put out their top 25 most miserable fan bases in pro sports with a formula that included championships, playoff berths, playoff wins, heartbreaks, and rival comparisons. So based on that, the Sacramento Kings, San Diego Padres, and Cleveland Browns were the top three. So it's a, it's a fun list to think about, and we all know fans of those teams. And, and so I, I lead a ministry unpacking it for sports fans, and so I'm always thinking about sports fans. And, and I live in Charlotte and, and grew up as a Charlotte Hornets fan, And we're on the list of most miserable fans because we have not had much success. But as I look across all sports and and all fan bases and kind of with my own calculations, I'm convinced the most miserable fan bases, it's the one that roots for both the Knicks and the Jets. So any New York fan that is a fan of both, meaning they, they might root for the Knicks, but then they have the Giants, I'm saying the, the guy who roots for the Knicks and the Jets, that's the most miserable fan because th- th- they're, a, they're a large fan base for one, but they have high expectations because they're in New York and there's always hype around the, the Knicks and, and sometimes the Jets. And, and ultimately, the stars don't deliver. I mean, just think about the Knicks. How many, how many guys have gone there as a player, coach, or even a, a president like Phil Jackson and they just don't deliver? And so those fans, they get their hopes up and it always falls flat They've had so many different coaches, and, and so they really haven't had much success with either team. And even if they did, maybe they made the playoffs, and there were a couple of Rex Ryan teams that went deep. It was always disappointing. They always fell short. And so, to me, the Kings and the Padres, they just don't care enough about those teams. If you live in San Diego, you live in an awesome city, and you love San Diego. It's great weather. I just don't think they're as worried about the Padres. And, and so not to discredit, you know, they haven't been able to win much, but I think the, the fans in New York, those guys, they're diehards. The Knicks and the Jets, you kidding me? And, and you know when you listen to them just how miserable and negative they are about their teams, yet they're always supportive. And then, of course, Cleveland Browns, they were number three on the list. They're right, they're right up there, but we always talk about the Browns. We kind of know where, where, where they stand. So uh, we'd love to know your thoughts. Who do you think is the most miserable fan base? Uh, send me an email, Bryce at unpackingit.com. But let me give you another uh, I'm convinced. I'm convinced that Josh Gordon has a strong chance to thrive in New England, not only because his skill set fits the Patriots and they have a solid atmosphere and structure and, and all that, but the real reason is because his locker is right next to Tom Brady. What a great decision. I just think that small move to, to allow Gordon to really watch Brady, be around Brady, let them interact, I think, I think Brady can rub off, and, and I think Brady really is a good teammate. Guys want to play with him. Gronkowski said, hey, I'm not playing for anybody else. I'm playing with Tommy. So I think that, that Gordon 
he's got he's got a lot to to overcome. I, I can't believe he's been given as many chances as he has, but but good for him. Um, I hope that he gets his life put together off the field and the, the Patriots can utilize him. He, he scored a touchdown on Thursday night, but Tom Brady being right next to him in the locker room is huge. And I really think that that will be the difference uh, this time around for Gordon because it just wasn't working in Cleveland. He needed a new atmosphere, a new team, and to be around a leader and somebody who's been as successful as Tom Brady, it was great. That was a great decision. And so uh, I'm curious to see uh, how that plays out this year for New England and, and if he gets even better and puts up huge numbers uh, for the Patriots. So that's what I'm convinced of this week. Shoot me an email, Bryce at unpackingit.com. Up next, Anthony Munoz, the Hall of Famer, joins us on Unpacking It right here on Sports Byline USA. More sports, faith, and life coming up on Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. Bringing you unique insight into the faith and character of guests from the sports world. Welcome back to Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. Thanks so much for joining us on Unpacking It. I'm Bryce Johnson, broadcasting on Sports Byline USA and on all of our great affiliates. Really appreciate your support. Check out our website unpackingit.com and joining us now is the hall of famer anthony munoz he was an offensive lineman for the cincinnati Bengals from 1980 to 1992 and was an 11-time pro bowler and an 11-time all pro an nfl man of the year and a member of the nfl 75th anniversary all-time team he was drafted third overall out of the University of Southern California. He does some great work in the community with the Munoz Foundation. Most importantly, he's a follower of Jesus, a husband, and a father. Anthony, thanks so much for joining us on Unpacking It. How are you? I'm doing great, Bryce. I appreciate the opportunity. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing awesome, and, and we're going to have some, some fun today talking uh, faith and, and football and family. And, and we'll, we'll start with football, though. Uh, cause yep. you, you're in Cincinnati, of course, a former player, a, a TV analyst for the Bengals. The team's gotten off to a great start three and one. So, so what has been your biggest takeaway from the first quarter of the season? Well, I think the the resiliency that they have, they're, they're no quit, uh, you know, that opening week, uh, they're down in Indianapolis. They cause a fumble, they take it for a touchdown. So they played the entire game. They came back, won the game. Of course, they, they had an excellent game against the Ravens, put them away. And then uh, this last week down in Atlanta, I mean, the ability to, to really go back and forth against a pretty good uh, Falcons football team that scores a lot of points. You know, we scored a lot of points. And then to score with just a few seconds left in the game, another time that they have to score and win the football game. So, you know, to me, very, very talented team we have here. A lot of talent. Uh, of course, the main thing I tell everybody, and of course, we all know those that watch the game and those that played the game, you have to stay healthy. You know, mm. the sad thing about it, we lose a guy in Tyler Eifert, mm. who is really off to a pretty good start. And the, the injury bug is just continues to hit him. You know, I love the game of football, but I hate the one part that goes along with the game, and that's injuries. Uh, so we, if we can stay healthy, I think we have a chance to keep this role going with the Cincinnati Bengals. And I'm excited about what's going on. Absolutely, and hopefully getting Joe Mixon back healthy in the backfield as well. Yep. And, and, of course, a, a lot of people know the, know the name Andy Dalton, the, the quarterback for the Bengals, has been there for a while now. And, and I find there, there are probably misconceptions about him. And so 
from, from your perspective as someone you know close to the team, well, what do you think fans and media need to realize about Andy Dalton? Well, I think, you know, people, I think, get enamored by the Bradys and the Mannings and, and those type of quarterbacks. And, you know, of course, Andy Dalton is not going to be one of those guys, but he doesn't have to be one of those guys because of the talent he has around him. And he has the ability to manage the game. He has the ability to utilize all the, the talented players he has around him. And I think that's the thing. He's a smart guy. He's uh, probably even a better person than he is a football player, and he's a pretty good football player. So if you want a guy that's solid, you know, character solid, faith solid, a guy that guys are going to respect, Andy Dalton is the kind of guy you want leading that offense. And and then kind of a a similar question, the head coach Marvin Lewis, what are some of the the best qualities that that he has? And and he's been there forever, and and he's really been able to to have such a, a longevity with Cincinnati year after year, he, he comes back. So, so what makes him special as a, as a head coach? Well, I think the things about Marvin, and, you know, and he has been here a long time, and you know, his tenure as, far, tenure as far as in the league is right up there, I think number two maybe after Belichick, is that he has the ability to connect with the players. Uh, you know, he can take players regardless of where they're drafted, where they're from, what their background is, and he can make that connection. And one of the things he's been able to do over the years is, uh, you know, he assistant coaches. I think those are a key to a head coach. You know, he had a lot of assistants around for a long time, and then he, he'll he make some adjustments over the years, and especially this year. He brought in six new offense or six new coaches, which is rare with this organization. Usually, if you're doing well, you stay here unless you get, a, you know, bump up, you become a head coach or a coordinator. Most coaches remain here if they're doing well, but Marvin has been able to – uh, bring guys in when other guys leave and, and kind of the similar type of thing. These coaches are excellent teachers, but they can connect with the players. I think that's the the main thing that Marvin's been able to do year after year is connect with the guys and the guys, uh, you know, enjoy playing for them. And I think that's a key with the head coach. Absolutely. Makes sense. Anthony Munoz, our guest right now on Unpacking It. He's a pro football Hall of Famer, former offensive lineman. And, and so as you watch football today in 2018, one of the, the big discussions has been the, the, the roughing the passer calls and, and is you know football getting too soft and, and we're protecting players and, and that whole conversation. But I don't think we hear from the offensive linemen enough uh, in that topic or in that, with that discussion. So, so what, what are your thoughts on, on just kind of how the, the game is changing and it is becoming so offensively focused and, and we want to protect the quarterbacks and, and put up big passing numbers and we're seeing that uh, left and right. So, uh, so where do you come out on that? Well, you know, being a former offensive lineman, I still watch a lot. And let me just use uh, two examples. I watched the two times Clay Matthews Jr. And I have to remember to say Jr. because I played with Clay Matthews Sr. <laughs> That's right. at USC and then played against him in the old AFC Central. So every time I say Clay Matthews, I have to designate which one. But That's the right. last two um, times I, I watched uh, the two roughing the, the quarterback penalties on Clay Matthews Jr., I just shook my head. And I'm a guy that uh, loves quarterbacks, wanted to protect quarterbacks, and I think that, you know, that's a good move on the NFL to to a certain extent, you know, protect the quarterbacks. But my goodness, those to me were just nice, solid, fundamentally sound tackles on the quarterback, and he gets roughing the passer. Mm. So, you know, it. I, I say one thing. I'd hate to be an official in the game these days. Ooh, yeah. I mean, with pass interference, with holding, with roughing the passer, with the, the new helmet, it, it just becomes so hard because these guys are so fast, so strong. 
Uh, you expect a you know a 260 pound player like Clay Matthews full speed to make a tackle. And I understand he's an athlete, and there's some great athletes, but to make the adjustments, you know, with the one step or step and a half is, is asking a lot. So, you know, again, I'm all for safety of the game. I think, uh, you know, a lot of the, the rule changes are great, but there's some that uh, I think you, you really have to watch because I, I think it's taken away from how the game should be played and, and understanding that it is a physical game mm. and, uh, you know, getting hit is part of it. So, uh then you go on. See, I'm not on social media a lot, but I like kind of. <laughs> I'm on Twitter, and I, I get caught up on sports a lot on my Twitter. And I, I saw these two videos where this, yes. they're in the backyard, and this guy's rushing. You probably saw the yep. guy's rushing, and he grabs the quarterback, <laughs> picks them up, lays them on the ground, puts a pillow under their head, and you see the flag come flying. And I'm thinking, then there's another mm. one where they actually laid a mattress under the quarterback uh. before they laid them up. You know, so people are having fun with it, but that's what people are thinking of the game. And again, like I said, I'm all for the safety, protecting the quarterback, protecting all guys with certain rule changes. But I don't know, this uh, roughing the passer, man, it's tough when you expect, like I said, a 260 to 300-pound guy who's full speed making an adjustment and not hitting him here, not hitting him there. And to me, it's just part of the game. I'm I'm with you, and and people are still watching, so it, it's hard to it's hard yep. to know what role it's playing, but uh, but it's very interesting to to follow. We're we're talking with Anthony Munoz right now on unpacking it. He's a Hall of Fame uh, offensive lineman from the Cincinnati Bengals, and we love talking football. But but Anthony, we we know that that faith is important to you, and and I was watching a, a little bit of your your Hall of Fame speech, and and what jumped out to me was when you were talking about wanting to, to make your life an offering. So, so what did mm-hmm. that mean to you then, and, and, and how does that, that factor into your life today as well? Well, first of all, you know, not understanding anything about you know, spirituality, relationship with Christ when I got to USC as a 17-year-old freshman, and that's the University of Southern California, not South Carolina, because they get that confused in this part of the country being in Cincinnati. That's right. So I have to clarify and let them know that uh, I went to the real USC out west. <laughs> but uh, when I got there, you know, it was the first time that I heard the name of Jesus used the way that I, I got shared to, uh, you know, got the gospel shared to me. And really, <clears throat> as a freshman at USC, is the first time I heard it. As a sophomore at USC, several months after getting married, uh, my wife, Didi, and I both came to, to Christ, and, uh, and I'm thankful we just celebrated 40 years of marriage yes. in April, and this month we'll celebrate 40 years of mar- our marriage uh, with Christ and following Christ. So mm. um, I'm excited that God put those people around me uh, at USC. So the last two and a half years at USC, being married and being young believers, we got involved in studies. And it wasn't until I got to Cincinnati when I really started to get a glimpse of what I had to do with my life in order to offer it as a spiritual worship to God. And, and I guess it, it happened because in my four years at USC, people see my Hall of Fame football crew at the Bengals and, and automatically assume that my college career was decorated, all kinds of accolades. Well, in four years at USC, I had three knee operations. Mm. I played one full season. My senior year, I got hurt. I got hurt my freshman year, my junior year. Then my senior year, I got hurt the second time we had the football in the first game, missed the entire season, came back, rehabilitated my operation, and played in one game, and that was the Rose Bowl. Not knowing if I'd ever play another down of football. Well, 
the Bengals drafted me, not only drafted me, but with the third pick in the draft. And then I played 13 years. But my first year, I come in as a rookie and I play 20 games. I, that was almost as many games as I played in four years at USC. Yeah. I played four preseason games, 16 regular season games. So then, you know, I made, you know, alternate Pro Bowl. Made all, I made all this stuff, and I'm thinking, okay, there's got to be a reason to, for this. And, and, and when God does something, I understand completely. There's things he does that we do not totally have one iota of clue of why he's doing it. <laughs> That's right. And I think this was one of those periods of times of, of many that I experienced on a daily basis. We're going to continue with Anthony Munoz right after this. We'll hear the end of his story and much more. This is Unpacking It. I'm Bryce Johnson on Sports Byline USA. The place to hear athletes opening up about their true passions in life. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. Fantasy football is the best. You compete with your friends and family all season long, and when you win, it's so exciting. I have won two rings myself, and as fun as fantasy football already is, what if we played with more purpose and meaning? Well, at Fantasy Football Fellowship, we created a way for you to have league meetings throughout the season to discuss how fantasy relates to our lives and the Bible. Each week, we have content, topics, and questions that allow fantasy owners to connect intentionally with each other and to God. We'll help your league have conversations about fantasy, faith, and life as you go from the draft to the championship. Play fantasy football and change your lives. Sign your league up today at FantasyFootballFellowship.com. Going beyond the field, this is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson on Sports Byline USA. We're in the middle of a conversation with the Hall of Famer, Anthony Munoz, and he's telling us a, a great story and a lot about his faith journey and, and specifically how he had a perspective on his football career being an offering to God. And so we continue with him now. I go back my second year with the Bengals, and I earned the starting job again. I started my entire rookie year. I earned the job three days into camp as a rookie, played 20 games. So I started questioning. I said, God, why would I not play but one healthy season in college? And then all of a sudden, I get drafted with the third pick in the entire draft, play one game my senior year. I start my entire rookie year, all-rookie, Pro Bowl alternate, and then I come into my second year, and I'm starting again. And, you know, God said to me that hey, it doesn't matter what happened, but he goes, it was my plan to have you here. And mm -hmm. as I know now, no man, and when God has a plan, no man can mess with it. Amen. And his plan was to bring us, Didi and I, to Cincinnati. So going into that second year, God showed me that he had given me a gift to play football. So my gift, my way to worship him was to, present my body and offer every Sunday I was to go out and play as a worship offering and thanking God 
for the opportunity to play the game and thank him for something in my life. Maybe it was that first surgery. Mm. Maybe it was my mom that raised five kids by herself. Mm. Maybe it was my wife, Didi, who had now been married three, three and a half years. And every, so that was my way of saying, God, thank you for allowing me to play. This, so every game from my second year on, I would do that before every game. I would take something that he had blessed me with, good or bad, because God, you know, it doesn't always have to. We praise him in the bad times as well as the good times. Amen. So I did that, and that was my way to offer my performance, my performance of one, and that was Christ. Uh, and I did that every game, and, and, and I continue to do that in life. I mean, not only in athletics, but we. I learned back then, and I tell people I didn't know a whole lot back then, and I don't know a whole lot more now, <laughs> but I know that we've got to worship God. And to me, my initial thought was, man, worship is those, you know, handful of songs that you sing on Sunday morning at church. No, worship is an everyday thing, how you live your life for God and how you worship him through everything you do in your life. Give mm -hmm. him all the glory, all the praise. So that's what I was talking about when I, when I talked about that. And I thought mm -hmm. I knew, you know, haven't played at USC, even though I didn't play every year, my guys, my teammates would, would give me a hard time. They'd say, why are you getting hurt during the season? You go through every single camp, every single spring practice, but you get hurt. Well, it wasn't my plan to do that, mm -hmm. but I learned at USC to, to, you know, really, play hard. And, and I thought I knew what it meant to prepare, to be intense. But when I came to Christ and when he showed me going into that second year, what preparation was all about, what intensity was all about, and how it says in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do it with all your heart as for the Lord, not man. Mm. I knew that as a football player, like every other part of my, my being, as a husband, as a father, as a community member, but on the football field, I had to give it everything. Mm. And then that's when I really I realized what it meant to prepare, what it meant to be intense. God showed me what true preparation, what true intensity, what true just being a, the best teammate. I learned all those from starting with my, you know, starting with my faith in Christ. And it continues now. I mean, you know, I joke with my wife and I say, well, you know, as an old guy, now I'm not very competitive. And she looks at me and just laughs, you know, because, you know, I got a foundation. I got a couple of small companies and to be able to get some POs or to raise money. I mean, I'm competitive. I want to go out and raise money to try to impact yeah. as many kids as possible. When my apparel company gets a bid, I want my team to win it, man. I want to win that bid. I want to give them the best service and the best product. So, yeah, I guess I am a little uh, still a little competitive, but that's. It. I've kind of shared a lot, but that's where God really showed me that I needed to offer up, uh, you know, my performance, my life to him on a, on a daily basis, not just Sunday morning when I'm sitting there before listening to a great message, you know, worshiping him through music, but uh, on an everyday basis. Mm. Amen. It's a wonderful message, a, a life of worship, given our life as a sacrifice and in and, and honor and, and to, to bring glory to God. It's, it's just a, a tremendous encouragement to me. And, and I know everybody listening today, he's Anthony Munoz. Uh, he's a, a Hall of Famer and he's doing some awesome work with the, the Munoz Foundation, MunozFoundation.org. And uh, we'll talk about that in just a, just a moment. But you, you mentioned being married for 40 years and you got married in college and, and so I'm sure you, you've learned so much, but, but is there maybe one nugget of, of wisdom that, that you can share with us today as you, you, you contemplate 40 years of marriage? I guess the first thing that I really work on is making your spouse the most important person on earth. I mean, you know, I, I hope I've done that. And Didi shared that, 
you know, when I'm out in public, you know, especially when I was playing and even now as a Hall of Famer, people want to meet Anthony Munoz, want to meet Anthony Munoz. I would not meet people without grabbing Dee Dee's arm and, you know, making sure she couldn't get away because I wanted them to meet Dee Dee. But just making her feel special because a lot of times people just kind of push the spouse aside and want to, you know, want to meet and, you know, talk to you know, the, the, the NFL football player, the Hall of Famer, and, and I didn't want anything to do with that. I wanted them to meet Didi first. Hmm. So, you know, and, and, you know, just working through things. I mean, in society, everything is so easy. If things aren't working well, just, okay, I'm just going to detour and go another another direction and forget about No, it's about work, man. When I was playing football, it's hard work. Marriage is hard work. Raising kids is hard work. Now with the foundation, nothing comes easy. And, and I thank my mom that she you know, through what she did, working two, three jobs for her five kids, she didn't have to say a whole lot. We saw what work ethic was all about and responsibility. So I'd say just making your, your spouse, you know, the way you treat her. And we share this with our kids. They're both married now. They're both raising kids. Cool. We share this with young couples is the way you treat your spouse, that's the way your kids will treat their mom and dad. So, you know, I wanted my kids to treat my wife their mother with respect. So I wanted, you know, and that's what the way I treat her. I just wanted to make her feel that there was nobody else around us that was more special than she was. And that's what I share with young married couples and uh, it's how you treat your spouse. And, uh, and of course, just uh, being friends. I mean, you know, we, we became empty nesters when both kids went off to college and we, I, I kid about it, but you know, pretty serious. We sat there and cried for about a half an hour. And then after that, we <laughs> high-fived each other and said, let's go, man. We're on our own again. <laughs> and we've enjoyed That's the good. journey, man. It's been a great journey. And, uh, you know, 40 years have gone by so fast. And I can say that, you know, she's my best friend that she's got my back even when I'm not around. And I think she can say the same thing. Oh, man, that, that's so cool to hear. Anthony Munoz with us on Unpacking It, 40 years of marriage. And, and so uh, how important has your, your faith been during the hard work of, of marriage? And, and how important has it been to rely on your faith during you know, the challenges and the, the disagreements and, and all that comes with the challenge of marriage? Quite frankly, it's been the most important thing. You know, coming from the background we both came from, uh, I say thank God that we both came to Christ when we did, that we realized that we needed Jesus in our lives, not only in our lives personally, but in the middle of our marriage. Um, so he has been everything. I mean, the fact that we can wake up in the morning and pray together, go through Scripture together, do studies together, go to church together, I mean, that is something that, uh, you know, we have— worked on for 40 years. And uh, so I'm thankful for that because, um, you know, in, in surrounding ourselves with like-minded people, we have so many couples that we've been in Bible studies with, that we, you know, it hasn't just been an Anthony and Dee, Dee thing. It's been a community of, you know, other believers that we've been involved with. And, you know, there'll be, they'll go a few months by and we'll say, oh, it's time to get two or three couples and start another study. So we'll do that and wow. church. And so it's been, I mean, I'm just thankful, you know, cause I, I know how undeserving and I know what, you know, what, how I was before. And uh, so I'm just thankful that God's grace is continues to cover us and his mercy and his love. And I mean, Didi and I always just sit there and, and we look at each other and we know what we're thinking. We just say to each other, I am so thankful that we know Jesus and that, you know, we just kind of pinch ourselves that, uh, you know, that we're allowed and have the honor of walking with them and uh, sharing him with other people. And because uh, who knows where I would be without him. Mm. 
Amen. Amen. Anthony Munoz, our guest right now on Unpacking It. And, and Anthony, I, I, I'm looking up the, the Munoz Foundation, and, and you're, you're doing some awesome work in the, the community in, in Cincinnati to, to impact kids physically, spiritually, uh, emotionally. You've got the, the Wiz Kids program. Uh, saw that, that you were just a part of Cincy Stories. And, and, and so kind of fill us in on, on your passion and, and heart behind the, the Munoz Foundation. Well, my passion is exactly what you said. We, when I started the foundation 17, going on 18 years ago, we wanted to engage the tri-state area to impact kids mentally, physically, and spiritually. And that's through about eight programs that we have. We start with elementary kids, which you mentioned, our Wiz Kids mentoring program, where we mentor them once a week, uh, every week during the school year. We, we, and with all our programs, we build relationships. So, you know, it's K through five. We've, in the nine years that we've been doing Wiz Kids, we've, been able to work with over 100 kids and, you know, anywhere from, you know, 300 and 300 plus books they read during the school year when we're mentoring them. And then we have overnight character camps where we take hundred anywhere from 130 to 150 young men two times a year. We did one in the spring, one coming up at the end of November. Uh, we'll take them to camp, just pour into their lives. We'll teach them a little football. We got to do that. But uh, more importantly, we have a, every day we have a character speaker. We have a, a chapel. We teach them teamwork. We teach them character traits. Uh, just try to pour into them and, and, you know, try to establish that, you know, it's nice to be successful in whatever job you may choose, but be a person of character, be a person of faith. And, and we have two of those. We have coming up in a couple of weeks, we'll have close to 100 high schools at what we call our youth leadership seminar. Uh, we've averaged close to 100 schools, 12, 1,300 students. We have a day-long leadership seminar with motivational leadership speakers. We have breakout sessions to really, you know, sit and discuss uh, how to become a better leader. And then at the end of the day, we give them a charge to go out and uh, put together community service projects. We track them and try to do something special for the two winners that we find at the end of the time. Uh, we have two different types of scholarships. So we end up uh, giving anywhere from 18 to 24, 26 scholarships a year. Wow. Uh, anywhere from two to five thousand, and our big ones, uh, twenty thousand dollars scholarships. We were able to give one hundred and fifteen thousand this last year, full tuition scholarship to seniors going to college in this area. So, you know, it's one of those things where people helped me when I was growing up, allowed me to dream and dream big. You know, athletics, academics, getting a scholarship to USC, and we just, you know, we're not, you know, we're just trying to assist them. We're trying to help them, direct them, and build their confidence, and then. Uh, but it's been fun to see students that have graduated from college. They come back, volunteer for our events. Students that are on scholarship with us are some of our mentors. I did a I did a uh, live TV uh, talk show this morning where we talked about the couple of programs, and I had a young man who was at our uh, one of our overnight character camps as an eighth grader. He's in his third year of college now. Aww. He went through our youth camp, and he's one of our scholarship recipients. So it's uh, it's fun to be able to have some continuity with these young people and all the programs we do. And it's a passion of mine. I love doing it. Oh, that's so cool. Wow, really neat to hear. MunozFoundation.org. He's Anthony Munoz. Uh, just such an honor to, to talk with you. Really just appreciate your, your heart. And, and really, the, the testimony of 40 years of marriage is so awesome and, and just encouraged by that. So congratulations on that recent anniversary. And, uh, man, Anthony enjoyed it, and I uh, hope we can do this again. Bryce, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure uh, for you to have me on. And uh, anytime, uh, thank you for what you're doing. And, 
you know, talking about some uh, topics that are dear to my heart. But of course, the the number one thing is the faith component and uh, a walk with Jesus. So thank you. Amen. Amen. He's Anthony Munoz. I'm Bryce Johnson. This is Unpacking It on Sports Byline USA. Up next, we'll do our final segment, Unpack This, about dropping the ball and wisdom. It's next. Inspiring conversations and intriguing interviews. More Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson after this. It's been an awesome show. My thanks to Anthony Munoz, our guest today. It's time for our final segment. We call it Unpack This, where I take a current sports story and relate it to the Bible and our own lives. And so today, I want to talk about how every NFL game I watched in the last week seemed to have players dropping the ball. A veteran tight end dropped a touchdown. A running back turned his head without securing the ball. And even one of the best wide receivers in the league missed out on three catches. On Thursday night, five Colts players all dropped the pass. Now, drops can happen for a number of reasons. A lack of focus, fear of getting hit, not being strong enough to hang on, or trying to make a play without receiving it first. I'd like to unpack the last reason because it's obvious yet very crucial. Of course, a player can't do anything with the ball unless he receives it first. If he tries to head up the field without receiving and securing the pass, he's going to drop the ball and miss out on the opportunity. In a similar sense, each one of us should realize how crucial it is for us to receive advice, instruction, and wisdom before making a decision or making a play. If we just head up the field, so to speak, without first receiving the necessary knowledge and understanding, we're going to drop the ball. Proverbs says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. It's critical we receive clear direction from God before we make a move, as well as from people we trust and respect. Proverbs encourages us to listen to counsel and receive instruction so that you may be wise later in life. We know the disappointment of watching a player drop the ball and miss out on a great opportunity to make a play because he didn't first receive what was most important. Today, let's be reminded of how important it is to first receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and then let's live in a way that seeks his direction, receiving the wisdom and understanding he provides. And so I hope you're willing to unpack that. Really appreciate you joining me today, and I hope you'll stay connected with us throughout the week on social media and on unpackingit.com. If you have any thoughts about today's show, you can email me, Bryce at unpackingit.com. Until next time, I'm Bryce Johnson, and I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sins, he was resurrected, and through faith, I have been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a wonderful week. This has been Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson on Sports Byline USA.